Welcome to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Hi, and welcome to Dive into Reiki's podcast. I'm Natalie, and today I have a very special guest all the way from Greece, Frank Arjava Peter, and he's a world-renowned Reiki historian and teacher. He travels worldwide, or used to right now, he's doing a beautiful year in Greece teaching Jikiden Reiki workshops. He's a Daishi Han in Jikiden Reiki, vice president of the Jikiden Reiki Association, which is founded by Tadao Yamaguchi in Kyoto, Japan. His spiritual journey started super young with meditation. He spent seven years practicing at the Osho Ashram. Later, he moved to Japan, started teaching Reiki there in 1993. And he's the best-selling author of more books than I can even mention here. Uh, some of them are Reiki Fire, Reiki, The Legacy of Dr. Usui, uh, The Spirit of Reiki, Reiki Best Practices, and the Hayashi Reiki Manual. And he has um, more books coming out. One of them just recently called Ease, if I'm not wrong. So, Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you very much, Natalie. It's a pleasure. I love doing this. I love talking to people. And this is the, the thing I miss, like all of us, all of you listeners and us included, I miss the most is the contact with people, the one-on-one -on -one contact, the hands-on contact. But, okay, we have the technology to at least keep in touch like this, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. When you say hands-on contact and my whole body is like, oh God, I wish we did this in person. But we'll do it. We'll do it soon. Meanwhile, I love your background and you're looking very glowy and amazing. So let's start with a little bit of your origin story. So you have a very interesting origin story because you started being searching spirituality very young. So I wanted if you can talk a little bit of your first explorations and then your discovery of Reiki practice. Okay, so um, I will tell you that I'm not like a lot of people who are into spirituality who will say, oh, you know, I remember when I was three years old and suddenly I saw the light. And Not at all. For me, it started when I was around 15, 16, I got interested in spirituality. I started reading books on Zen, which I liked very much. And in my mind, the idea formed that one day, I hated school, eh? so after <laughs> school, I'm not going to go to university, I'm going to go to Japan, enter a Zen monastery, and will never be seen again, ever. That was my secret plan, but of course, it came completely differently. <laughs> About the same time, I went on vacation to Brittany, to France with my parents, and I remember one day sitting on the beach was in the spring break, uh, so there were no tourists there, and you had like miles of beach to your left, miles of beach to the right, there was nobody, and I just see this dog, uh, and I see him from, I don't know, two miles away, big white beige kind of dog retriever or something, uh, and he comes straight to me, like dogs walk on the beach, going left, going right, sniffing here, but he went straight for me. And then I stretched out my hand, he sniffed my hand. I looked at the dog and I thought, I want to be like this dog, you know? Straightforward, fearless, and tender. And then a couple of years later, I, um, or 
my my parents and I got some letters from my brother who had gone to India overland at the time from Germany and ended up with Osho who at the time was the antichrist for everybody very bad press about him everywhere whatever you heard or saw was just horrendous and we thought oh my god our elder brother my elder brother has gone nuts and we got to do something about that so my parents and i decided to send me there just to check up on him yeah to take a look is he okay if he's okay fair enough if he's not okay to try and persuade him to come home and relax and leave this all of this craziness behind so i went there i went to india to the osho ashram in 1979 in march i took one step into that place and i thought i don't ever want to go anywhere else ever again but that's how it really started so at the time i was 18 and that's really really hit me hard and ever since that moment my whole my sole viewpoint in life is spiritual development and for me and in the first few years and then after i started teaching in the uh, early and mid 90s also for my students and this is what i'm concerned with with the spiritual growth with people waking up with me waking up with me being present with showing people how to be present how to deal with themselves and how to live a beautiful contented happy conscious and blissful life yeah? this is my whole purpose yeah? but at the same time i am not out there <laughs> in space thinking only about god <laughs> and all these things i'm a super simple person yeah very very simple minded i'm here living in a small greek village with about a thousand people very traditional place yeah and it's super easy i love everybody the people like me i we can talk about the weather about potatoes we can talk about nothing at all we can have a glass of whiskey together i'm really a very simple minded person and what my intention is to do everything in life with uh, say a spiritual attitude yeah, so if you do a mundane thing with a spiritual attitude it becomes like a prayer or like a meditation or like a celebration of life and if you do something in quotation marks spiritual with the mundane back um, with a mundane um, attitude yeah, then it just becomes a waste of time I, i love that because i think there are two things i think in reiki we see like we cannot many of us want to live our regular life in quote marks uh, to become reiki versus adapting it to our lives and then the other thing we do is we complicate it instead of simplifying it so what is a little bit your perception of reiki right now at the time in terms of those two filters Reiki is the most simple thing in life at all. I remember when when I learned Reiki was in 92, I became a teacher in 93 and started teaching after five, six months or so after I digested all of that. And I thought Reiki was this complicated 
thing. You know? And then seven years later, I came to my, my, my third Reiki teacher, Chiyoko Yamaguchi. And when we asked her a complicated question, she always looked at us and said, you think too much. <laughs> Yeah, but she would like grandma would say to you, and not like somebody arrogant from you know, I know better than you, and oh, you, and, and um, oh, you will learn one day when you're my no, not at all, just simple. She said, Don't think so much, it's such a simple thing, it's the most simple thing in the world. You know how it works, she said, goes like this on, off. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Go out and touch people. Then it's on. There's nothing you need to do. No rituals, no prayers, no symbols, no nothing. Just on, off. And this is how I practice it. And this is how I practice it here in the, the village too. In all the Greek villages, at least the villages on the, on the islands that I know of, people get nicknames. And they get them very quickly, also the foreigners. Yeah? And those nicknames, they stick with you. <laughs> That's like that in Venezuela, it's the same. Yeah? Yeah. But they stick with you. Once you have that, it might even change. Your legal name might even change. Yeah? So like the guy who's selling, who's fixing motorcycles in our village, he's called Mr. Okra. Yeah? Because... <laughs> Grandfather was selling vegetables and he was probably screaming, okra, okra. So my nickname is the German doctor in the uh -oh. village. Yeah, yeah. So this is how people see me. And when somebody has an injury or something or feels sick, they, they come and we treat them almost all the time, my wife and me. We treat them and this is what we do. We don't do any spiritual anything yeah nothing wow talking about energy and all that no okay sit down or lay down hands on and then that's it <laughs> so it's very simple reiki is very very simple i completely avoid all the esoteric stuff when i when i talk about it not only with simple-minded villagers, but in general, because we don't need it, it's not necessary. No, and I, I love that because for me, it's also simple, but that doesn't mean it's not deep, right? So many times in Western culture, we, we confuse simple with shallow or poor, or a little bit stupid, right? Versus simple, but Ricky has a lot of depth. Can you talk a little bit about that? The only thing that matters really is what you have here now. And what you have and what you are here and now, just you, just you in your simplicity, breathing in, breathing out, that's it. Nothing else matters. Tomorrow never comes. Yesterday is gone. So what have we got? We've got this moment. And in this moment, we have a choice whether we want to spend this moment dreaming of something or just being present and Reiki is a wonderful tool to help you be present in this moment. All, all body work is really, yeah, because the touch anchors both the person who gives the treatment and the one who receives it in the present. 
I love that conception of touch as an anchor. Because usually I, I think of the body as an anchor, but it's beautiful, like touch as an anchor to be present. I think that is a completely different definition from what we think. You know, many times we're touching to heal, we're touching to do something versus I'm anchoring both of us in the moment. That is beautiful. Yeah, so imagine, no, if somebody, let's say somebody uh, experienced something traumatic yeah, and you give them a hug or you hold them or you hold their arm or something, what happens? Same thing, yeah? poof, immediately they come to present and forget, maybe come out of their traumatic movement yeah? and come, come to the now. And when you're in the now, you're okay, you're good. Yeah, this is number one. Yeah? So first of all, Reiki brings you here. And when you are here, you're fine. What, what problem do we have here? We don't have any problems. Problems are always either ahead, far ahead, or <laughs> far behind. <laughs> yeah, either way. And when you're in the problem, you have no time to think I'm in a problem, right? When you're like in the middle of a problem, you're like, you're not even like, I'm present. You're just like, you're present. You have to be. Right, right. When, for example, when you have an accident, yeah, suddenly everything turns slow motion yeah, and you just function perfectly. You do everything right. And then afterwards, you get afraid. <laughs> when it's finished. <laughs> then it's so easy. That's how the mind works. Yeah? So this is the first, I think, the first and foremost important thing about Reiki is that it brings both of us, the giver and the receiver, into the present moment. And only in the present moment, things can change. Things can happen. Yeah. So the next thing is that uh, what people often confuse, they think, oh, this or that person is such a great healer. Somebody asked me recently, who's the greatest healer okay. on the planet at the moment? Yeah? <laughs> and I said, you know, I will tell you who it is. Yeah? It's the human body. The human body is the greatest healer there is. <laughs> so it's not the Reiki person or the whatever shaman or something that does the healing, the body heals itself if it can, but there are obstacles to healing and those obstacles must be removed. And this is what the Reiki person or the shaman does. He energizes the body so that those obstacles can be removed in terms of Reiki. Those obstacles are toxicity and the removal happens by detoxing. Yeah? So the body begins to detox and then healing happens if it's still possible. Yeah, yeah, it's because sometimes also if it's the time to go, it's the time to go, you know, sometimes. When the time is up, the time is up. You can stand on your head and do all sorts of tricks and uh, it's not going to work. And also the important thing for us as a Reiki person to understand, I think, is that this is not our business. We're not here to decide who, who stays and who goes. We have no idea. We don't know what the situation for our client is. We know nothing. What we may know is we may know that they have a certain illness, but we don't know why they have it. We don't know what purpose that may serve in the long run. If you believe in, in reincarnation, which I do, 
not as a concept, but it, yeah, I feel it, then you would only be able to tell really what is good for somebody if you could see everything. But you can't. You don't know. You don't know where they are on their journey from ignorance to self-realization or so. And this is not for you to judge. All we do is we place our hands on that person and know and trust that the healing, the integration, the let go will happen in due time, yeah, whenever that might be. I, I love that. I resonate very strongly with it. I also think is so much pressure on Reiki practitioners. We have some lineages that are a little bit more complicated in terms of tools. But for example, I had a friend and she will write to me, I'm going to scan your body, your bones, your muscles, your body. And then I'm going to, almost like it was a diagnostic. I'm like, this is not medicine. You're not, don't put that pressure on yourself. So what do you think of when we go towards that, like more scanning or putting that pressure on the practitioner? What advice will you give them? Um, okay, in Jikiden Reiki, what we learned to do is called, in Japanese, is called Byosen. Yeah? Byosen is the reaction, in short, in a few words, Byosen is the reaction of the body to the incoming energy. What happens when energy enters the body, that creates a reaction of the body. And we learn to evaluate that with Where's my hand? <laughs> we that was a very strong Biosen, and that's why it's like it disappears. We evaluate that with the perception in our hands. So there's some kind of diagnosis, natural diagnosis is happening, but it's not medical. And it's not that we look for it either. Yeah, it's just perception, the same way that you say, put your hand in the fridge and you know that it's cold. You don't have to sit there and think, oh, I'm going to check now the fridge from the inside and, and see what that temperature is. And No, you just put your hand there and you know, ah, ooh, cold. Yeah. <laughs> stay here. Yeah, like, stay here. Like, it's here. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah? And um, from, let's say, from an Oriental, from an Asian point of view, um, they would say your ego is not required in the work at all. Yeah? And ego, now if we define this in an oriental way, it becomes very uncomfortable. Yeah? So from a Western, let's say, psychological understanding, maybe we think of ego as the negative aspects of our psycho-emotional self. Our Java is egoistic. He thinks only of himself. Yeah? He wants more and more money. He's like this. He's an asshole. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> you can't say what our words Okay. <laughs> but uh, here in Greece, we are not politically correct. So, from an Oriental point of view, because the Japanese are Buddhists and they believe in emptiness being the source of everything, they believe that there is no separate identity, no separate self. There is no ego. The ego is the only thing that doesn't exist. So your ego, yourself, is everything that you think, you feel, 
whether it's good or bad. Yeah, it's I like ice cream, and I'm a kind person, and also I'm envious and I'm angry. All of these are ego. Everything is ego. Everything is ego. The only thing that is not is that spaciousness that is your presence. Yeah, the blue sky. Everything else are clouds passing in that blue sky. So if I, during a treatment, go and do all sorts of stuff, a Japanese Reiki, traditional Reiki practitioner would say, get the hell out of there. What are you doing there? You know, this is not an ego trip here. You're supposed to just be empty and let that pass through you and, and leave it up to people upstairs. <laughs> That's how they would look at it. Yeah? So from a Japanese point of view, ego is everything that we would call I. Yeah? Everything that we define ourselves with. And that has nothing to do in a Reiki treatment. Yeah? You leave that outside. Which is our practice as practitioners. And it's really hard. But good news is actually in time you start feeling a little bit of that. And I, I love that for me, emptiness is also inner spaciousness, right? We're so crowned with things by creating that little space through meditation or Reiki practice also is such a relief for us as, as people because we always think of practitioners helping others, but we start with us. So I love that concept of emptiness. And then when we were talking, you mentioned something that I love, the teacher as a mirror. And it came when I asked you like, how was the Osho Ashram? And you were laughing at me because I was imagining you probably in 300 orgies. And you were like, Natalie, the, like every teacher is a mirror. So I would love for you to elaborate uh, about that because there are more and more Reiki teachers out there. So I think it will be a great concept to understand. So not only is the teacher a mirror, but everybody is. And every situation in life is a mirror. This pandemic situation is a mirror. Yeah, so... Let's start here, yeah, because we, we are concerned with this at the moment. So if, let's say, you have some fear of survival during the COVID situation, that's going to come up. Uh, if you have some unethical business ideas in the COVID situation, that will come up. Yeah? <laughs> whatever there is inside, whatever there is hiding under the surface will come up. Yeah? So. Not only is the teacher a mirror, but every situation in life is mirroring you. It's like you're looking at this thing all the time yeah? and you see yourself. So the thing that is required of us to do is to generate awareness, to be aware what is happening yeah? when you're being mirrored, to be reflective, to take a look, not to judge, yeah, this is what's happening. And if you're in a teacher role, then of course that becomes really vital. Because first of all, you are mirroring your students, but they also mirror you. It's not one-way traffic, yeah? it's two mirrors, <laughs> two mirrors looking at each other, two pieces of emptiness looking at each other yeah that's an amazing thing and it requires great awareness not to project anything into the other which you cannot um you cannot ask of your student to do this 
practice, but you can ask it of yourself. Yeah? So you don't project into your students and you don't bring them down. You don't force your worldview on them, but you give them space and you encourage them to always reflect, to look at themselves, to learn, to learn, to learn, to learn, to learn from all of their clients, from all of their friends, from all situations. This is the, the job of a Reiki teacher, in my opinion. It's not just take, uh, teaching Reiki. That's, I think, the smaller part of it, the practice. It is the smaller part, but it's, I'm getting a lot of people reaching out. Uh, and again, you know, compared to you, my training is, you know, I've been practicing only like for like close to 15 years and heavily seven. But people are getting trainings like, for example, I was talking to someone who had a bunch of videos and attunement. I've been offered myself even like, I'll sell you an attunement for $30 and send you the manual. So for me, what you're saying is beautiful, but like the reality is very different as what's happening in Reiki. So what will you, what do you think about what's happening a little bit with the trainings? Okay, so what I think is just my personal opinion. Eh? And I, I always filter everything through my own heart and filter it through, the, let's say, the wisdom of my own heart. I learned that very early on, but one of the things I learned from Osho, he said to me, don't believe anything that anybody says to you, but you always check it if it is valuable inside or not, if it works for you, if it clicks for you. So, so I would say, as a Reiki teacher, what do I feel comfortable with? How do I feel comfortable teaching? Yeah? And me, in person, I feel comfortable teaching Reiki in person, and I don't feel comfortable teaching Reiki online, so I don't do it. But it's not a judgment. Yeah? So if you, let's say, feel comfortable doing online courses, that is your business. Yeah? And you have to live with it. You have to do it. You have to enjoy it. It's your life. Yeah? You have to ask yourself, is that okay with me? And if it is, there you go. For me, it's not an option. I don't like it and I don't do it. Yeah? So I'm very happy here talking to people and discussing things around the topic of Reiki, but actual teaching. I'm not going to do, no way. Eh? I wait. I wait until I can touch my students again. And, you know, I always say that at home to my wife when she says, yeah, well, I mean, this and that, maybe you could do online. I'm like, for me, it's almost more important to go and eat lunch together during the workshop, you know, because that's where you really see what is happening inside people when there are no facets, no? and when there are no concepts, and when there are no uh, roles of teacher and student, when we're all the same, yeah? then I think this is when you really see things changing in people. And that, to me, happens only in the presence of one another. Yeah? So this, <laughs> uh, this is how I see it. Eh? I know that many people like to teach online, yeah, it's easier, it's convenient, uh, you save all the airline uh, fees, the hotels, the venues, I understand all that. 
people need the Reiki a lot. I understand all that, but I'm not going to do it. No, thank you. I wait. Yeah, I prefer to starve. <laughs> You're not going to starve. No <laughs> worry. Your village will help you. <laughs> really? Yeah? I mean, that's how I how I feel. But this is my truth, and I'm not saying it's the truth. There is no no truth. Yeah? There's only subjective subjectivity and what i suggest is that you go inside and you see what do you feel comfortable with and then you do that yeah? and don't listen to anybody else yeah? there's nobody smarter than you there's nobody who knows better than you ask yourself what to do how to do it and then you're good yeah? in our tradition the teaching guidelines are, are quite serious and severe yeah? a teaching, uh, let's say, starts with Shoden with Reiki 1, then goes to Okuden Reiki 2, and then the different levels of the teachers. And to become a fully certified teacher will take at least two or three years. Huh? That's so good. Under the tutelage. Plus, uh, we have rules as to how many hours of treatments one has to document written, yeah? it's like 120 hours of treatments with at least 40 different clients. You have to document that all and send that into the institute. And then we decide whether we take somebody. So we take that very, very seriously. Yeah? It's not, not, you cannot do this on a weekend with us yeah? because we don't feel comfortable with that. But I think also it's good for the student. I remember I got those eight-hour trainings. And honestly, they were good for the eight-hour trainings that we're giving. It's, but what happens is when I started like, offering treatments, I was so insecure, right? Because do I have to charge? Not. So I started doing like for donation or whatever. But like I was, because I didn't have the right training and support. And when I called for like, can I have a mentoring session, which I do believe in mentoring a lot, I got, you have to balance your chakras, Right. And then I knew I was not going to do my Reiki master with that. But for me, like, I know we want to do it this fast, but when you do it fast, you crumble. Uh, and we we're talking a little bit about this before the interview, starting from the bottom versus up. I don't know. I think what you're saying is exactly that. It's actually not a bad thing to train for more hours and not to be a teacher immediately. Um, okay, let's, let's look at the traditional way that this was done. When I learned from... Chiyoko Sensei, you couldn't even ask to become a teacher. Yeah, you would learn and learn and learn and learn. And at some point, she said to you, okay, now it's time. Yeah, that's, that was the traditional way. Of course, in the Western world, it's not going to work like that. People don't understand this concept, especially where you live now. <laughs> yes. where people are so competitive and they want everything right now it's not going to work yeah? but what I'm saying is that a really good and solid uh, education Reiki education is great yeah? and there's no rush anyway why you want to reach something there's nothing to reach you are not a better person if you're a Reiki master or you are a Shoden Reiki one practitioner, you're the same, it makes no difference. Yeah, so the difference is made by the work that you have done. If you have done it, there will be some 
results. And if you haven't done it, there won't be any. <laughs> so this is the thing. It's the work that we do, the inner work that we do, and of course, the practical work that we do. I will tell you what we do here on the Lesbos Island where we live. We have built a dojo training center. And in the summer, that place is open every day between 4 and 7 p.m. And we do treatments. And there's sometimes 30 people that are giving treatments every day for months, yeah? every all summer, because this is a summer resort place. So we have maybe three, four, five clients. And then a whole bunch of people, four or five on each table, treating and Treating and treating and treating and treating and treating and learning and learning. This is how you learn by practicing. I remember my my teacher when I first met her. She said, "Oh, sorry, because, Tito, can you tell a little bit to our listener who she is? Because a lot of people haven't heard of her." Ah, okay. So Chiyoko uh, Yamaguchi was my third teacher, and after I met her, I just taught what I had learned from her and left all the other things behind. She was a student of Hayashi Sensei. She learned in 1937. And by the time I met her in 2000, she had 60 some years of daily wow. practice in her. And she, I asked her once how many treatments she had done. And she said two or three every day for 63 years at the time. I calculated that once. That's a lot. Yeah? So she was like an encyclopedia. You could ask her anything. Yeah, What do you do with fibromyalgia? She said, oh, yeah, in 1952, I treated this woman, and you do this, and then there, and you, you do this and that, and this and that. Yeah? So when I met her, I was already a well-known Reiki teacher. I'd written three or four books already. Everybody at that time knew who I was. And she said, okay, so you've been practicing for a while. Do you do, you give treatments? I said, yes. She said, um, have you witnessed any healing? I said, yes. She said, like what? And I was like on the witness stand. Yeah? I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Usually Japanese people are not so inquisitive. Huh? Like what? And I said, oh, I've been treating people with cancer, with whatever, do, 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 do. And have they gotten better? I said, yes. She said, oh, good. You know, I always ask people who are teaching Reiki, I always ask them, do you do treatments? And usually they say, no, I'm too busy teaching. And then I ask them, what in the world do you teach if you have no experience? Yeah, so I think that sums it up. Yeah? If we teach, and especially... If we teach, we must continue doing treatments. We must learn. Because from every new client, you learn something new. And the moment you stop learning, you're dead. You're finished. Yeah, You might as well stay home <laughs> and retire. I, yeah, I agree with you so much. I, I learn a lot. And I learn from like Reiki, but also from a lot of Japanese. Like Honestly, understand the culture better. And, and as I was saying many times, martial arts. But I think it's so, what you're saying is so opposite of what we think, right? We get a certificate, I have Ricky one, I am a Ricky one versus I need to practice a lot to even understand what this is about. And, you know, the certification process, it's probably because it's a Western culture, we get it like, I'm a Ricky master, right? I did 
sometimes two days and this is it versus no, you need to learn. And what you learned are just tools, right? Like, and then every lineage has very different point of view on those tools. Like I believe in Jikiden, you actually cannot meditate with the first symbol. And in my lineage, we actually meditate with the first symbol. But, you know, and it doesn't really matter. But what I feel is sometimes we offer tools and not understanding. So I think what you're saying is like only through daily practice, we get an understanding of the practice versus just tools. Reiki is, is a, a typical Japanese traditional art. Yeah? And all the Japanese traditional arts are organized in exactly the same way, yeah? with different levels, the different levels of teaching, like the martial arts. Yeah? So if you want to get a brown belt or a black belt or a red belt, yeah, when can you get it? You can get it when your teacher says, you are ready and getting the belt is just a formality you get it because you have done your work it's the opposite of what we do here that's how it <laughs> is and in in our or in my reiki practice we do it the same way like this yeah? this is the focus on the work if you do your work you progress if you don't you don't yeah and it's not a judgment it's not for everybody but Reiki is not something that that you need to tick off some degree or something. It's not about that. It's about having reached a certain maturity in your practice. And you get that only by practicing. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's not, it's, 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 I have like a carpentry. Yeah? If you don't practice your carpentry skills, you're not going to learn. Well, sometimes I get questions and I just answer, can you go and practice, right? Because I, I can dot my head out and tell you concept, but if you don't practice, you're going to come back with the same question because some questions are only answered when you practice. And only that, you only have certain questions when you practice. So it's, yeah, for me, like also, as you say, practice, practice and guidance and having the support of the teacher. It's a complete different shift in the Reiki practice, I feel, but it's one that is very much needed. So I love to ask my guests something because usually we always talk about, you know, when someone looks up to you, they're like, I'm never going to be like him. Like he's been practicing. He went to Japan also. He's like, he's more than I am, even though you say the opposite and we all know it's not true. So one way to make uh, Reiki teachers more human is to share one of the biggest oops or mistakes that you did, like a very human, uh, that actually brought a beautiful lesson for you. Oh, <laughs> at least as long. <laughs> I know, but I love that, right? Because they always think you're perfect, I'm perfect, we do everything right. And we actually learn through mistakes. So if there is one that jumps to mind. <laughs> okay, I will tell you one. I will tell you one from, uh, I did, writing yeah? so I have no journalistic training at all yeah? I stumbled into this by pure accident if there is such a thing and when we found in 1994 long time ago I found the Usui Memorial in Tokyo which at that time we thought nobody had ever seen before no foreigner could have been true and um, we translated the inscription of that beautiful memorial, and it said something about Usui Sensei's life. But he was had a very loving character, and he was humorous, and was a very good speaker. And the people were hanging on to his kimono to get some of his energy. 
and blah, 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 that he was married, had two kids, and do, 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 do. And we should follow the legacy of the Meiji emperor. Point, full point. The next sentence, kyo dake wa ikaru na shinpai suna kancha shite gyo o ageme hito ni shinsetsu ni, the Reiki principles. So when I read that, I thought, oh, wow, the Reiki principles are the legacy of the Meiji emperor. And I well, wrote that. Where it came from, because I've been researching that and I was very confused because I could never find that with Meiji. Okay. <laughs> so I wrote that. <laughs> and then just after the book goes out, we found out that those two parts of the inscription have nothing to do with one another. Yeah? <laughs> That was one of the big mistakes I made. And even now, people are in their classes saying, the Reiki principles come from the Meiji Emperor. This was my mistake, huh? my fault, my fuck up. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh my, nobody I, was, I didn't I, know that. So I'm like so glad because I, I was reading and I've read many, because I, I love Meiji, I love like the change. I was like a little bit obsessed with his waka poetry, but I could never find the precepts. But again, Reiki history is very obscure. And I'm actually, yes, you did a fuck up, but you actually brought the translation to most of us in a time when some books said actually was from India and like the aliens brought it to the earth. So believe your fuck up is nothing compared to the book that says aliens brought Reiki to the world. No, no. It was, <laughs> the, whole, the whole work was great. Yeah? It was beautiful. Yeah. It was very timely. Yeah? But uh, you asked me for one big mistake. But that's a good one. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm so happy because it clarifying that doubt I had, like I would research and there is not a lot of information on Meiji, at least in English. And I was like, oh, I can never find that. He never wrote that. Or like, I was looking Meiji principles. So now I know. Thank you. That's yeah, yeah. So It was Sui Sensei. He, he put them together from the, maybe we can call it the zeitgeist, yeah? the spirit of the, the days. That was kind of common in spiritual circles, I research lots of other spiritual groups and they're very similar. Yeah? They all have these kind of precepts. It's a very Japanese thing. Even any elementary school will have some kind of ethical backbone precepts hanging maybe in the principal's office or in the general assembly. It's, it's very, very normal. Yeah? But they were not made by the Meiji emperor. <laughs> I, this may have been my favorite mistake from all the interviews ever and I find it so adorable but no it's true like and that's another thing a lot of people don't know there were many groups like that and part of it also at the time Buddhism was kind of shown on because of the Meiji like sometimes we I don't think we should really go over the story but there are some things that give us some clues like why did this happen right like the timing and of what but now God, this is precious. Sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my God, you're laughing. So one last thing, and I know this is very basic because you said on and off using the hands, but a lot of people are really confused with the use of symbols. So and because again, every lineage also uses symbols in different ways. I wanted to have your point of view, like if you can tell people, okay, how to use a symbol, or what are symbols really, in your opinion? Okay, symbols are tools. And the Reiki symbols are tools that are given to the student at a certain level after they've acquired certain skills. 
Yeah, so in Jikiden Reiki, the first symbol we get in the first level. And then we get the other symbols in the second level. Yeah, so it's all, all done, done differently. But um, perhaps one thing that is, is good to say is that we seem to think in our Western Reiki lineages, and I know it well because this is where I originally learned, yeah, that we are initiated into a degree or we are initiated into a symbol. And if you ask a traditional Japanese Reiki practitioner or Reiki teacher, they will say, you are not initiated into a degree or a symbol, but into Reiki again and again and again, every time you meet your teacher. And the symbols are simply tools that are given to you at certain stages of your journey. Yeah? So in most Reiki schools, there are four symbols, yeah, the three of the second degree and then the master symbol. In all of the Japanese lineages, there is no master symbol. Doesn't exist. Yeah, wasn't there, it was added by um, uh, students of Takata Sensei. After she passed away, there was recently was an interview with Phyllis Fulumoto before she died. She finally said it. I've been saying it for 20 years, but nobody believed me. So finally, she said it too. It doesn't exist. There was no such thing. But I, I love that difference that you made. We're initiated in Reiki over and over again. Not in a, I think that is, again, this is another precious concept, right? Because did you attune to a symbol? Am I connected? No, this is just your Reiki practice. It's reconnecting with who you are, right? With that original essence. So I love that. Right, and this, the symbols are all, um, let's say, they are very specific, work specific. And they have a purpose, a special purpose to do. So you use the first symbol for this, the second for that, the third for that, and you don't mix them in the traditional school because they have each a purpose of their own. There's no need to mix anything. It's not that mixing is bad or will make you im or explode or something. <laughs> but it's not necessary. Yeah? One is for, like in Jikiden Reiki, the first one we used just for the body work. Yeah? The second one we used just for the work on the psycho-emotional body. The third one we used just on distant work. Yeah? And we don't mix them. No, it's it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's interesting, but I think again when what you said about the initiation and their tools. So yes, every lineage will have different, but it doesn't mean one is wrong or right. Someone may feel righter for you and your way of practice. Like I'm very minimalist, I cannot do Western because I got crazy with the formulas. Like I, you know, I, I could not remember for the life of me all those things. And that didn't work because I will get anxious. So then my treatments were anxious. So let's let's put it that way. I, if you ask me what kind of Reiki do you practice, I will say, look, the Reiki that comes out of my hands doesn't have a label. That is beautiful. It's it's just pure, unpolluted life energy, and that comes out of Natalie, out of your hands and out of everybody who's listening and everybody who's not listening and comes out of every mother's hands 
when she's treating her child, when she's caressing her child, there is no label. Yeah? So first of all, it's all the same. Yeah? There's only a difference in practice and philosophy. And now, again, yeah? think of the thing we talked about earlier, the mirror. Yeah? You look at the practice and choose one that suits you, that fits you, that fits your psycho-emotional self. I have had a long history of of Japanese culture in this life. Yeah, I, um, you lived there what, 12 years? Then? I lived there for 12 years and I had the first Japanese girlfriend when I was 18. Yeah, so <laughs> Well, that is learning a lot of Japanese culture, yes. That is, is the best learning, yeah? better than any Zen master can destroy your ego. They can do it better than that. Yeah? So <laughs> uh, I have this predisposition with things Japanese uh, and Japanese people, Japanese culture, Japanese philosophy and all that. Uh, so for me, this is what suits me the best. So I choose that. But if you ask me if it is better than any other kind of Reiki, oh my God, how can my Reiki be better than yours? This only some Somebody can say doesn't understand the basics of Reiki. Reiki does not have a label. And um, if you think that you're better than somebody else, uh, you really need to look at yourself. And yeah. do some serious work on that first, you know, and better not teach others. I... I'm going to highlight all of your interview after. <laughs> I just sometimes take quotes. I'm going to quote you like 300 times in the future. I love that. Um, one last question to close. I know you just launched a new book. So I wanted to ask you a little bit of what you're doing and the new books. And then you can share that uh, with our listeners, I guess, and viewers, whatever they're called now. Okay. So I published in November, I think, uh, a Reiki book called One with Reiki. It's all about... Uh, the background of Reiki, Japanese spirituality, explaining the Japanese concept so people who practice Reiki can understand it better. And then just... Um, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? Weeks ago or so, I published a book that's called Dot, Three Dots Is, and then Three Dots. It's all about living in the present, being present, living a meditative and fun life with lots of techniques in their breathing, med uh, breathing techniques, meditation techniques is really a fun, a fun project. And the editor was laughing. She sent me an email. She said, oh my, the word Reiki appears for the first time on page 156. So it's not about Reiki. It's about all sorts of other things and I wrote that because I see Corona as a chance to do introspection, to grow for self-realization and to do all the things that you have not done until now, or maybe some of which you have avoided until now and to really fix problems that you might still have, address them and let go of your baggage. So that was the idea of that book it just came out is available as an ebook and uh, paperback from amazon.com three dots is three dots 
I think easy to remember is a very graphic uh, cover. I love the cover actually. I, I loved it. Another thing I loved, I've read like probably three chapters only, but I love how joyful and simple it was, right? Like it's everyday life. Like, again, you said no judgment, but there is a touch of joy that I miss from many spiritual books. They're very heavy and serious. And yours is like, I felt like I was reading home. I'm like, oh, this feels like in my sofa comfortable talking with someone. So I love that. You know, for me, what is important, of course, you also have a, lots of Japanese background and through your martial arts training, you know, it's important to have awareness, yeah, to be present and everything. Yeah? Otherwise, you cannot do your practice. And Reiki is the same. Yeah? But also what you need is tenderness. Yeah, tenderness for the people that you're working with, but also for the steering wheel of your car while you're driving or for the rocks or for the animals, for everything. Yeah, this, and if you mix those two, if you mix awareness, mindfulness and tenderness and kindness, that's really an incredible mixture. And that will break your heart open like a pomegranate <laughs> no that is that is beautiful and yeah tender is actually a great because it comes through in the book and it's a word we don't hear a lot about reiki right we hear a lot about doing techniques but tenderness is such a beautiful word like for life in general living a tender life it's general and intimacy intimacy of course in the non-sexual way yeah but just to be intimate look we are all the same we're sitting in the same boat Nobody is different. The, all the separation, all the things that we create to make ourselves different from others are just mindfuck, yeah? really, to call it by. Uh, <laughs> well, that is a great way to call them, actually. That is, that is the right... <laughs> the right word. Yeah? So, and this can break through it, this kindness, developing this kindness and tenderness to all things in life, yeah, I think is very important. And you're right, this is, is one of the things that makes that book different from a lot of other books on spirituality that are maybe a little bit more dry, also nice. Yeah? But I think we need a good mixture of these two components, yeah? a big open heart yeah, that make space for everything yeah it, it was very refreshing oh my god i love that about because we talk about inner spaciousness but it's yeah it's open heart as well it's not just and i'm i'm gonna put all the notes on so people can reach you is there any way that you prefer to be reached uh, by people so they can talk to you learn from you get your books beyond the ones on amazon yeah, email is the best. And old email. your website, I'll just put everything there so they can reach. Ah, oh, yes, at the website, before I forget, could you remind me, I just um, started writing a newsletter again. So when you go to my website, it's www.frankrjavapeta.com. There comes a little thingy where you can put your email address for newsletters for updates. Perfect, because I think people will love your newsletter. And again, we have a rich tapestry in Reiki. And, you know, I'm just grateful we can have these conversations and share your wisdom with the world and also share your tenderness, right? Because for me, when I read your books, like, 
always, again, I imagine like, oh, but I never imagined there would be such tenderness coming through. So I'm really, really grateful. Nice. Perfect. So I'm going to cut it here because if not, I'm going to start like blubbering how much I enjoy this. I'm boring people, but I'll send that to you. Thank you so much. And may we have, may we meet in person one day. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Thank you, Natalie. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci.